Welcome to the second episode of Ability on Air, a disability sports podcast. I'm your host, Ashley, and our guest today is the extraordinary Nate Williams, the brilliant mind behind the Ability Group in Sports, also known as TAGS. With over a decade of experience as a sports reporter, Nate has made significant strides in the sports industry. TAGS is an initiative that aims to promote and support disabled people with a passion for sports media, providing them with a network to progress in their chosen roles. Their approach is about creating an inclusive and welcoming environment for everyone, where diverse voices can flourish. So, get ready to be inspired as we dive into Nate's journey, the incredible work of TAGS and the impact they're making in the sports media landscape. Nate Williams, everyone. Could you share the story behind the creation of TAGS? What motivated you to establish a network specifically for disabled people in sports media in production? When I started in sports media, it was in 2010 when the Equality Act was very new. So there was no sort of um, legislation or group around inclusivity at work. And it was all very new. Uh, and over the years, I've just been um, very frustrated about the opportunities you have when you're in a wheelchair or you have a disability. Um, you know, there's a lot of barriers in place and a lot of uh, prejudice as well, like uh, unconscious bias as well. Like So, for example, my first frustration was when I was at the BBC in 2014, um, where I was supposed to cover somebody at the Challenge Cup final at Wembley. Um, it was my first outdoor gig for the BBC and I was really excited about it because I was like, finally, I'm a reporter because my role was on the website, checking the scores and um, doing lots of templating day to day. But I really wanted to be a journalist and be at live events because when I went to London 2012, that lit a fire in me that, you know, I want to do major events all the time. Uh, but the editor pulled me into his office the day before the final and he said, we've had a rethink and we think it's better for you if you do it from the office, which translates as um, we don't know how accessible it's going to be for you. So we'd rather stay, you stay in the office where there's no danger to you or anybody else. Uh, so, yeah, that was very disappointing for me. And over time, I've just um, seen productions go wrong and not many adjustments are in place for disabled people to allow them to work and fast forward to 2022 on the Beijing Paralympics I was working as a TV producer now um, for a company and um, we had to recruit a lot of disabled people for Channel 4 to you know make up the numbers and, and make it more diverse and we got them in, but the problem was is we didn't chat to them about, you know, what adjustments they needed to work. And I remember a blind girl that we employed as a runner, um, her printer 
um, her screen reader didn't work with the printer that she needed to print off stat sheets for the commentators. So half of her job was gone. Um, she was just sat around making coffees. Um, she didn't enjoy it because nobody was speaking to her apart from me because I went in to check on her day to day. And then there was another disabled person in a wheelchair who was at a runner and I was at the producer level creating the content and he came up to me and he said, um, it's nice to see somebody in a wheelchair at a senior level because it shows where I can get to. And I was thinking like throughout my career, there's never been a support network of disabled people to tell the industry how things are done, what you need to do for disabled people. So after 2022, which was a good production, by the way, but there was those little disability elements that really annoyed me. So I just went, I really want to form a group. Uh, there was one formed before me called the um, Disabled People Sports Network. And I thought that was going to be the group. But then I quickly realized it was full of able-bodied people wanting to learn about disabled people and not necessarily a group for disabled people working in sport so i joined a couple of meetings and i thought nobody's talking about the media this is what i want to improve this is the area that i know so i went off and did it myself now that we've learned about the journey that led me to create tags let's dive into the process behind establishing this transformative group and i just contacted everybody i knew with a disability that i'd come across over the years or i'd seen on twitter and I just said, look, I want to form this group. Um, it will be the first network um, for disabled people in the industry. I took inspiration from other groups that have formed before me, like BCOMS, the Black Collective of Media and Sport, and Women in Football, and LGBT Sports Media. And I, I, see, I, I rang up the leaders of those groups to uh, find out how they formed. And they just said, like, get together um a load of people with similar ideas think of action points connect with the industry tell them what you're about and then i rang up a a, a female uh editor called anna kessel who's now at sky and she was one of the co-founders of women in football and i said look i'm a disabled journalist i want to form the first disabled group for sports media because there's never been one she was out there at the very start of women in football so i just had a chat with her about um about how these groups are formed. And the best advice she gave me was saying, don't just pick disabled journalists to be a part of your group. Pick people with different skill sets, different um, aspects of the industry, like legal, marketing, strategy, and all of that to help you on your journey. And then on that very same day, I logged on to LinkedIn and I saw the Paralympian David Clark, who's now the head of Paralympics GB, um, he reshared a post. I've known David for years. He reshared a post from his agent called Neil Callahan. Um, he's able-bodied, uh, but he's he works in the disabled uh, sector, marketing twenty years. And I was like, oh, marketing twenty years. This guy knows about disability as well. So maybe I could just bring him along on the journey. And we sort of like um, we did the first meeting with ten people the next week. And we just discussed like what we wanted to do. As the founder of the network, what are the objectives of TAGS? The purpose of TAGS is to give disabled people a piece of the action. 
So um, peace is our tagline where we say we want to promote disabled people in all sorts of roles. So we want to create more visibility around disability in the industry. We want to improve accessibility at working venues. We want to educate the industry on reasonable adjustments, so how things can be done and adapted for disabled people. And we want to collaborate with the industry and create schemes specifically for disabled people to create like a talent line. And then the final bit of that is to encourage conversation and remove this fear that people have around disability when they don't know what to say or what to do. So it's really about working with the industry. And we've been going strong a year now. We've got 63 members, all different levels of impairment, all different levels of the industry from students to senior producers and executives. And we're just wanting to come together, use our skills and teach the industry of how to engage with disability. Encouraging conversations around disability needs is crucial for progress. What strategies does TAGS use to remove fear and foster productive dialogue between companies and disabled employees in the sports media? Well, what we've done with one particular broadcaster is um, we wanted to encourage them to film a disabled person at work or, you know, how to engage with them. And, and we've produced also with the English Football League, so a level below the Premier League, we've produced a guide for them on language, on um, resources, on how to engage with a disabled person. Because when I was a football reporter, I often hid my disability because I thought if I tell them I have a disability, I won't get picked for the job because they think, how is a wheelchair going to get into a football stadium? Because press boxes are built with stairs and barriers. So I always hid it and then I did the job. And then unfortunately, sometimes I had to reveal it while my if I if I posted a copy late or, you know, things like that, they were wondering why I said, well, I can't get down to the tunnel because there's stairs to interview the manager. So I think what we've done with the EFL is really simple because it's a written guide. People can digest it how they want and also offers practical solutions to problems that disabled people have at football grounds specifically. So, for example, we give them a list of scenarios in like a Q&A format of like, OK, this has happened. What do you do if um, you haven't got that accessible press box or um, so? For example, one of the questions I wrote in the wheelchair user guide was, okay, the press box has stairs into it. The wheelchair user it can't climb upstairs. So what do we do instead? So the answer is to find a accessible area via a lift. Maybe it's a hospitality box or um, a room with a, with a TV on so they can watch the game or maybe it's putting them right on the pitch or just off the pitch to watch the game. And so all these different problems we're trying to solve for the industry in written format so they can actually engage with, have have a point of reference in this guide to start a dialogue with a disabled person in the media. So I think that's how we remove the fear is like, oh, I don't know what to say, but let me have a quick look at this guide that's produced by TAGS, the official body in sports media to say like what we can do to help this person instead of put, sho sho shoving them away. Because uh, a an example from my early career, 
is I went I went to a football club and I said I was a student journalist I I was a disabled student journalist and I need to cover a game for a match report and they emailed me back saying our facilities aren't built for you sorry you can't come here but then I emailed them two weeks later and I said I was a student journalist wanting to do a match report for my for my course and they said yep yeah, come on down we've got a press pass for you didn't mention the disability at all and then when I got there in my chair, they were like, you didn't tell us this. Like, why are you here? You can't come here. It's, it's your fault if anything happens. And that's where the fear comes from. And I was like, hang on. You didn't engage with me. You had the opportunity to, but you tried to shut the door in my face. So I thought I'd come anyway and show you how I do things. And I had a good relationship with that club ever since. But like I say, the guide that we've produced didn't exist back then because there were no or there were very little disabled people going to events. So, But now there's more and more wanting to be sports reporters. So that's the place that TAGS has in the industry. For you as a disabled reporter or sports journalist, sometimes do you feel like if you don't tell somebody your disabled up front you might maybe be considered for a role as opposed to telling them and then do you have that fear of you might miss out on an opportunity i think it's different when you apply for jobs now because you have to um like clarify whether you're um, what ethnicity you are what gender you are um or what gender you identify as in the in the modern times um and then you have to declare if you have a disability so applying for a job is very different you have to um and then because if you don't you look stupid at the interview and you say oh what why didn't you tell us we could have made adjustments so it's a legal requirement now for employers to include disability on all their forms and make reasonable adjustments for that disabled person to do the job but when you're freelance like like I was when I when I was a reporter um, I used to get texts from editors saying, can you go to this game? And I'd say, yep. Uh, and I didn't have to say, oh, can you check if the ground's accessible for me? And uh, quite a funny thing that happened when I when I was a reporter that I didn't mention my disability. So there's a, there's a trick in the industry that when you go to a football game, you have these little cards, like press cards. And some agencies that I used to work for used to make them up uh, and provide fake names so they could just, you know, attach that card to a person because they didn't have the resources to pay individuals for every card. So we used to just swap cards around. Anyway, I went to Sheffield United once under the name, um, what was it? Uh, uh, Yeah, Richard Fiddler. I went under the name Richard Fiddler. And I thought, this has got to be a fake name. And I rang Sheffield United up and I said, um, okay, I've never been to Sheffield United before. I just want to um, clarify like, if how many steps there are to your press box. And they were like, what's your name? And I just went, because it was on the card that I was attending the game at, I said, my name's Richard Fiddler. Uh, obviously, my name's Nate Williams, so that was a lie. But it was the name on the card to get me in. And they replied, well, you were at the game last week. Why are you uh, asking us if the press box is accessible? And I was like, oh, damn, I've got to tell them now. So my real name's Nate Williams. I've come under Richard Fiddler doing a, doing work for an agency. And 
when I got to Sheffield United, there were 90 steps to the press box. And I can walk. So the stubborn Nate walked up those 90 steps to the press box. And then for the next two days, he was in bed because his legs were hurting so bad. And then I thought, right, Sheffield United, I can't go there again. And then the editor texts me the next week and saying, I loved your report from Sheffield United. Do you want to go there again? And then I had to tell him, no, but I can do any other games. And he was like, no, I just want you to do Sheffield United. And then I was like, well, I can't do it Sheffield United anymore because every time I go there, my legs hurt so bad. And he was like, why? Oh, yeah, by the way, I'm disabled. And then he never texts me again. So, you know, that is the fear when you're freelance. But when, you, when you're speaking to an employer, it's far different. As the founder of Tags, can you share with us any particularly impactful or success story from their recognised network? So that hasn't officially happened yet, but it will do in the next month or so, because we are taking a young lad called Joe Skinner um, to Burnley, um, his hometown club in the Premier League, and he's going to do a report for The Times via speech to text. And it's never been done before because when Joe met me, uh, we got introduced um, through a contact of mine at the EFL who said he'd been contacted by this young lad in a wheelchair that wants to be a sports reporter. And I thought with all your experience, you could be like a mentor to him. So we connected via Facebook and I said, hi, Joe, like I've been introduced to you by a friend of mine. Uh, want know that you... I know that you want to get into sports journalism, happy to give any tips. And he replied to me and he said, I need to be a broadcaster, Nate, because it's all I want to do. And I was like, well, why do you need to be a broadcaster? He said, well, I've got very severe cerebral palsy. I'm in an electric chair and I can't type very fast. But the messages that we were sending each other were coming through quite fast. So I was like, something isn't right here. So I was like, how are you sending me these messages, Joe? Because they are coming through quite quick. So I'm I'm a bit lost as to how why you're saying you can't type very fast. And he was like, I'm using speech dictation software. And I was like, okay, that's very cool. And then I had a light bulb idea. I was like, well, he doesn't have to be a broadcaster if he can type that fast via speech to text. So let's do a match report via speech to text. And I met up with News UK, um, their, their sort of editors, as part of Tags with my my co-founder, Neil. And when I pitched the idea to them, they loved it. And they really wanted to work with Joe. And in the last few months, he's had one-to-one tutor sessions. He's had um, practice match reports with some issues with the speech to text about not recognising names. But... And now Burnley are involved and they're really excited to do this match report. They've given us a date for the game and we're going to do a video of Joe's day at Burnley and how we do the speech to text match report to show the industry what can be done when you think outside the box a little bit. So don't see Joe as like, oh, he's a very weak, disabled person. He can't write very well. He, well, he can't type very fast or whatever. Instead of seeing people as seeing disabled people at face value actually adjust the role to them 
and then see what they can do. So that's what we're doing with Joe in the next couple of months. And when that report gets produced, hopefully I'll be there on the day. I will be so emotional because I was like, I've wanted somebody like Joe to come into the industry for years because when I was at uni, there was a guy in the year below me in an electric wheelchair like him. Uh, he was called Lukey, um, Lukman. For, uh, um, he was from Pakistan and he was in an electric wheelchair. And unfortunately, like Lukman used to send me his stuff through Facebook all the time and it was brilliant. He was a very opinionated writer, had very good writing style. And I was like, this guy is going to be really big in the industry when he makes it. Unfortunately, a year after he graduated, he died. So the 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 legacy of Lukeman never took place. Sorry about that. Mm. Um, so the legacy of Lukeman never took place. Um, I said, if I ever saw somebody like that again, I'd do everything I can to help them in this industry and make the industry realise that people like Lukeman, like Joe, can be a part of this industry. So I think when that match report happens, I'll be the proudest man in, in the world. We'll take a quick break and when we're back, Nate will talk to us about collaboration with other groups, the TV Access Project, and what's next for TAGS. Welcome back, listeners. We've been talking to Nate Williams, a sports journalist, producer, and the founder of the Ability Group in Sport. Let's get back to the conversation. Collaborating with industry leaders can be transformative. Can you share examples of how TAGS has worked with other leaders to create opportunities and schemes for disabled people aspiring to work in sports media? Why TAGS didn't want to exist just for disabled people is that for a long time in the industry, there's been a lot of diversity schemes, but they've been aimed at specific groups of people. So women and, and people of race, people of colour, are the largest groups. And they're always targeted by the industry because they bump their diversity stats up. And then when you look on job applications and you see the diversity statement saying we welcome people of all abilities from all races, all religions, all genders, um, disability is always mentioned last, even though statistically anybody can become disabled at any time. And, you know, this has always frustrated me as well. It's like, why are we the behind group when we're part of this large statistic that people anybody can become disabled so why aren't we a part of the big statistics with women and, and uh, race and I just wanted to make diversity more joined up so I contacted BCOMS Leon Mann and his um, his assistants there I contacted John Holmes who runs LGBT sports media and I Women in football were, were quite late to the party, but I eventually got through to them because they operate as like a business. So I got a contact there and they joined a call. And then in December last year, all the heads of those groups got together at the SJA Awards, the Sports Journalism Association Awards in London. And we all sat down and saying, like, how can we help each other? And I basically outlined, I said, I want to see each other at events. I want to retweet our stuff. I want you to um, just basically celebrate that we all exist in the same way, that we want 
our people or our groups to thrive, but also inter intersectionality is a very important because you can be um, of a race and disabled, you can be a woman and disabled, you can be gay and disabled. We all cross over. So it's time we started working together. Having gotten into the sports media industry in 2010, in your view, how has the industry evolved over the years? It is getting there in terms of disability representation, but there's been this long narrative that since the 2012 Paralympics, to be successful and disabled in the industry, you have to be a Paralympian or you have to be a on screen as a presenter and know everybody. But off screen, we're still behind. There's only 6.5% of disabled people in the industry working behind the camera and producing the content. So there's still a long way to go in terms of statistics. And we've joined, um, Tags has joined up as a partner with something called the TV Access Project. Could you expound on the TV Access Project and how does it work towards representation of disabled people in the sports media? A project designed by Channel 4 um, to connect um, 10 broadcasters and streamers, so your, your Skies, your BBCs, your uh, IMG and all these production companies together to basically say, look, disabled people want to work in this industry, but because it's not built accessible for them, they're not coming through. So we need to adapt and make sure that the industry is accessible and training opportunities are there and we um, create a pipeline of talent. So I've been on those calls regularly and it's really impressive how fast we're moving. We're talking about um, adapting trucks uh, for outside broadcast. So when you're on outside broadcast, all the monitors and all the machines are put into a truck outside the stadium. So Historically, disabled people have never been able to work there, but now we're looking at ways in which they can. And since the pandemic in 2010, uh, 2020, sorry, you know, a lot of productions have turned remote because they had to. Um, they weren't allowed to go out as much. Travel was restricted. And they've learned that remote production is actually the most accessible way. And it's also the most cost effective way, which is very important to the industry because they don't want to be spending millions of pounds on flights for an entire crew to go to somewhere to produce the content when in reality their job is in a studio with screens. So as long as you've got that and a connection to the place where you're filming, then it's possible to do TV from anywhere now. So that's how the production side has changed. In terms of disability representation, it's still far behind, but we've got the TV access project now, which hopefully will improve that because all the big broadcasters are now working together to try and solve this problem, which I think is really fantastic. So I think in the next five or 10 years, we'll see that um, percentage increase to double figures for the first time. For our audience, many of whom are passionate about disability sports, how can they support TAGS and its mission to promote fair opportunities for disabled individuals in sports media and production? Well, if they're disabled, they can join as a member. Um, it's free to join. There's a link uh, on our LinkedIn page and our Twitter page. So 
do they just need to sign up uh, and it's free of charge. Uh, we've got multiple disabilities, multiple variances. And what TAGS is now is we've been allowed to create things like the EFL guide that I spoke to you about earlier because we're a shared bank of knowledge. So originally that idea was pitched to me and it said, can you write everything about disability? And the answer is no, I can't because I, I, I can only tell my experience as a wheelchair user. I can't speak on behalf of neurodiversity or limb impairment or blind or deaf. So because, but because we have the members that are that have those impairments, we teamed up, grouped together and created something that will change the industry. So the more impairments we have, the more people we have, the more we'll learn, the more it, it gets gathered for the industry and then we can feed it back to the industry so their knowledge improves and their adaptions improve for people to get into the industry. So all they have to do to support TAGS is apply themselves and then apply their knowledge. Brilliant. Thank you, Nate. If any of our listeners is keen on joining TAGS, please sign up. I'll leave the link in the description box. Moving on. Looking to the future, what are some of TAG's long-term aspirations for advancing the rights and opportunities of disabled people in the sports media industry? I think it goes back to um, what our original piece of the action is. So we want all members, all TAG's members, to have the right to a piece of the action. And that goes back to promoting disabled people, so making sure anything that gets done in the industry by a disabled person is highlighted. And then we want to improve communication between sports bodies and clubs and um, anywhere a disabled person might work so they feel more comfortable in applying for jobs in the industry. And then we just want to basically be acknowledged that the fact that more disabled people do want to come in the industry and it's not a case of, oh, we never thought about accessibility because we thought disabled journalists didn't exist. So we're running an event in September with the Disability Journalism Forum and we're, we're hoping that we get a good um, scope of young journalists there to enhance the knowledge of the industry. And also we want the industry to create schemes with us specific for disabled people. So I think the vision for TAGS in the next five to ten years by myself and with Neil um, is to turn tags into like a consultancy where industries can come to us and say like we want more disabled people on our productions or in our offices can we work with you to make it work for them I want to extend a heartfelt thank you to our incredible guest Nate Williams Thank you for sharing your journey and the inspiring work of TAGS. Your dedication and advocacy are true testament to the power of passion in creating a better and more inclusive sports world. To our listeners, remember that change starts with us, as cliche as it may sound, and each of us can play a role in making the world a more inclusive place, including the sports world. wait to chat with you again tomorrow as we hear from the beauty about going into primary schools and working with young children is that they always ask the awkward questions 
but that's important because if they don't ask the awkward questions, how are they going to learn to approach somebody or talk to somebody in the future who is like maybe with a disability? Andy Craddock, the Birmingham Wiltshire basketball coach. Be sure to tune in tomorrow. Thank you for joining me. As ever, I'm Ashley.